I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about a tough lady detective and a talking dinosaur who pair up to take on an evil billionaire bent on destroying humanity by creating a new ice age. Oh, <laughs> you'll have to excuse me. Um, that's the plot of the 1995 film Theodore Rex. This is actually a podcast where we chat about and review films. I'm Sam Foster, and this is my old pal, Danny Moran. Uh, what the dickens are we talking about today, Danny? Well, Sam, on today's show, I'll be reviewing The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, the third instalment in the four-part Hunger Games trilogy. And we'll both be taking a critical eye to the Horrible Bosses sequel, Horrible Bosses 2. We'll also be looking at the latest movie news, and we'll have an exclusive preview of the latest trailer, or should I say the first trailer, of the new Star Wars films. It's bloody exciting. It's so exciting! Oh. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. These good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John So we have some correspondence this week, all genuine, all real. Yeah. Danny, uh, what, have, uh, what have you got? Well, got this letter. I'm going to read for you. Uh, Hi, Danny. I thought your review of The Imitation Game was spot on. Uh, sorry, did I say spot on? I meant fucking shit. The Imitation Game is obviously a masterpiece and should win every award going, especially Best Film, because it is the best film. Fuck you, from uh, H. Weinstein. Hmm. So, who could that be? We get a lot of aggressive letters, don't we? Like people saying, fuck you to us. You know, man, we're divisive, you know. Yeah, that's because we speak the truth. Yeah. Well, whoever this H. Weinstein character is, he sounds uh, like he's uh, quite grumpy. Grumpy, man. Grumpy. Don't call in again, Weinstein, or write in again. But his opinion is legitimate. Yeah. We also got a message from uh, Ben Thomas, which is uh, very nice, much more positive in tone. Yeah. Here's what Ben said. Hi, guys. Loving the film chats. Keep it up. Couldn't resist attempting some terrible puns. You should name your podcast one, if not all, of the following. I mean, I don't know if we can name the podcast all of the following, because that would be... It was, wouldn't make any sense. He's the concept of... It would the... just be a series of like names read, like, you know, in a row. Okay. Take a lot of time. How can I do a jingle with that? Here's suggestion one. 
What's new, film chat? What's new, film chat? <laughs> yeah, I like it. it. Like Tom Jones. It. Yeah. The Sam and the Pity. Sounds like he's... Well, desi- where's my name? Well, he's designating you the Pity. <laughs> what's, his, what's his beef? I was not being my nice to him at school. I would say Pity sounds as much like Danny as Sam does like Sorrow, <laughs> if not more. Could have called it the Sorrow and the Danny. <sighs> I feel like there's some underlying yeah. tension there, you know. All right, third suggestion: free whimsy. Free whimsy. That's not bad. Well, we are free, and we and yeah, and on iTunes, and now on iTunes, <laughs> and it, there's an element of whimsy, I think, to what we uh, what Certainly. we do. So, number four is uh, "Good Morning, Danny Sam." That's quite good. I like that one because, like, the, I like, it was like my once you film it. chat, yeah, your name's <laughs> made it in by number four. Um, also, that would give us an opportunity to always be going like "Good Morning, Danny Sam" or whatever. That sounds great. Which I like to do. I like to hear it. <laughs> Number five. Podcast away. <laughs> Podcast away? He's got a little note for this one. Sam to be played by Tom Hanks. <laughs> Danny to be played by a volleyball. Oh, come on, Ben. <laughs> also. He's really got it in for you. Wait a second. But what does he think this is? It's not like... <laughs> Why would we be playing these characters? This is the no, I do, I do the whole thing in the style of Tom Hanks in Castaway, And you'd be Wilson. So I wouldn't say anything. No, you wouldn't say anything. <laughs> You'd personify what I'm saying. Yeah, but I'd be a wag nice to you. Very, very caring. What the fuck, Ben? Very caring and loving. Yeah, and you die at the end. Well, we don't know what happened to Wilson. He just floated away, didn't he? Just floated he? off, I guess. Probably got his own movie. Okay. The, his the, own better podcast, maybe. <laughs> his last suggestion is Big Knobs and Film Shtick. Well, that is accurate. Hmm. Big Knobs. <laughs> um... And he finishes, now back to marking books. Uh, thanks a lot for your suggestions, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I really liked them. From the perspective um, of Sam, they were great. From the perspective of Danny, they were the worst suggestions anyone's ever made about anything. Okay. Ever. <laughs> Superhero films announced, casting rumours leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated, Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped, Matt Damon's in a viral vid, Michael Bay's made a mint, that's the news that's been to print. Movie news! What news have we got this week, Danny? Well, I don't know if you were on the internet. No, no, no. I, I've, I've been avoiding the internet since our last podcast. It well, keeps me fresh. Um, the first trailer, I should say, for Jurassic World has dropped. Wow. The fourth instalment in the, the Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park trilogy. The Jurassic Park trilogy, <laughs> starring Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, mm. and directed by the genius auteur Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow? I don't know. Colin something. Mm. The director behind Safety Not Guaranteed. Oh. If yeah. you see that movie, like, give this guy a huge franchise instalment. Was there a lot of, like, wobbling glasses of water in Safety Not Guaranteed? No, that's what's sort of odd about it. It's like a very. It's like a pretty good indie road movie you wouldn't necessarily look at that and be like this guy's you know the yeah. next big thing give him a blockbuster yeah yeah i thought that the the thing the problem with this movie i think or like the problem it has to overcome is that it is just so obvious what's going to happen how much movie do you think there is before all hell breaks loose and you know the dinosaurs start killing people because if it's more than about 10 minutes i think it's <laughs> going to start to stretch you know your patience a little bit well maybe we should discuss the trailer a bit more depth so uh, Jurassic Park is now called Jurassic World and, and has Richard Attenborough's plans have yeah. come to fruition and it is open. So it's open, everyone's park. having a lovely time. It's like SeaWorld. Yeah. But for some unknown reason, Bryce Dallas Howard has decided to genetically engineer like an even bigger dinosaur. She's bred a super dinosaur. A super dinosaur. And the trailer suggests that the dinosaurs get out. 
Yeah, and the, the, the like, there's like an ultra dinosaur. It's female. It's super intelligent. Uh, presumably, it's a killer. I think this is like well, like first of all, your point is like spot on. You know. It's oh just, no, like, the, the, the something's gone wrong in the park. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but also, I really think uh, the terror threat of dinosaurs like reaches a sort of terminal velocity very quickly. Yeah. You know, how much more scary is a super genetically engineered dinosaur than like a T Rex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. true. There was like a great trailer uh, line where Chris Pratt's like, you just made a new dinosaur? Probably wasn't a good idea. It's like, <laughs> sums up the movie, innit? Yeah, yeah. That was a kind of Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's character bugs me a little bit in the first Jurassic Park film. He's, because he's kind of, so hot. His, his like anti-science attitude irritates me. Yeah. It's like, it's irritating because his views are subsequently vindicated by the events of the film. But if like you know, things had gone according to plan. He just, like, seems like an idiot, you know? Yeah. He's like, you can't control nature. Whatever, it's like, dinosaurs don't obey park schedules. That's the essence of chaos or something like that. It's like, I don't think it is, you know? Uh-huh. You know how we know we can control nature? Zoos. These are <laughs> normal zoos. <laughs> like, some of the animals in real zoos are a bit dangerous. <laughs> That'd be a great film, like, Jeff Goblin's wandering around the zoo. Yeah, it's this, like, is, this is awful. It's like, you don't know what that monkey's going to do tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's probably going to breed with itself and break out and kill everyone. Like, you know? Oh, God. He just sounds paranoid. Yeah. And then after he gets a little fucking injury, he just spends a whole movie lying on a slab with his shirt off, looking hot. Yeah, like, he doesn't no plays no further part in the in the you know it's like yeah all my complaints turn out to be right and I'm just gonna lie here and feel smug until I'm rescued you idiot Goldblum you idiot come on Goldblum <laughs> anyway so you know we'll see I mean it could be I mean it looks like it could be bad but I like Chris Pratt you know yeah we'll see right more news more news. Empire has spoken to the visionary uh, director, James Cameron, yeah. um, about his plans for the next 300 Avatar films. Um, Very exciting. So take us through what Cameron's got in store. Um, well, basically, his plan has been, he's assembled a team of writers, yeah. and as a team, they've plotted out the next three films, yeah. and then he's assigned each uh, writer, or in one case, a pair of writers, a script to write. And so he's going to have three incredible scripts for mm-hmm. his incredible vision for his next three incredible films. Haven't what have they been? Aren't they ready to make them or whatever? Like what happens? It's, it's been a while, right? Since Avatar made Sam, all the, the longest part of the process with Avatar was getting the script. <laughs> you can really tell that when you, watch, right. when you watched it, as yeah, you can tell, they nailed this thing. So the uh, the screenwriting. I'm doing a bit of research on the screenwriters. Okay. So one of the pair was uh, Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver who are the screenwriting duo behind the most recent Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, okay. And they also wrote the first iteration of Jurassic World. Ah. So they're, like, the most prestigious, because they've had, like... I thought the most recent Apes movie was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, fine. Them, I'll give them a pass. <laughs> okay. Uh, the second guy is uh, Josh Friedman, who is the genius behind uh, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds movie. Oh, right, Okay. Uh, which we can all agree was amazing, mm. <laughs> and uh, the Black Dahlia movie. Remember that movie? Came out like eight years ago. Mainly, many want to know about that movie is that James Elroy hated it. Hated it. <laughs> and the uh, the, f- the fourth and most prestigious of the writers, a guy called Shane Solano. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote the classic Samuel Jackson version of Shaft. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the writers on Armageddon. Uh-huh. He wrote uh, Alien vs Predator Requiem. Which I think we can all agree was the best of the Alien and Predator films. 
and uh, he wrote Savages, that Oliver Stone movie, which everyone hated. Oh, God, yeah, that was absolutely panned, wasn't so, it? So, like, every film he's made has like, been terrible or written. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know, maybe in James Cameron's wisdom, he's seen something in him. I like the way he wrote some of the explosions in Armageddon, so we're going to get him for... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, why not? Um, but he was asked what the storylines were. What, James Cameron? Yeah, and he gave this quote. I want to read it in the tone I think it was said. Yeah. I can tell you one thing about them. <laughs> They're going to be bitching. You will shit yourself with your mouth wide open. Wow. Wow. Ah, I just don't care. No. I thought everyone would agree like, that Avatar was a bit shit now. Yeah. Like, the sort of initial... Didn't people get over, like, how exciting it was to see all those, like, tall blue people, and now they're like, you know? Yeah. Does anyone even talk about Avatar anymore? No. Like, it's been like, it was like five years ago. Yeah. No one cares. So, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force of... What, is it Episode Seven? Um, yes. Nine? Wait, seven, yes. Yeah, seven. <laughs> Star Wars, is it? Star, Star Trek Episode 2, Wrath of the Force. The trailer's coming out this Friday. Yeah. However, we have got the exclusive audio. Yeah. I got a, I got a phone call from J.J. Abrams yeah. yesterday. Yeah. He said he read one of our tweets, and he loved it. And he sent me the original <laughs> cut of the trailer for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. To me alone. So, uh, and we're going to play you a bit of the audio. There is great forcefulness in you, young one. Great forcefulness. Do you mean the Force? Could I become a Jedi? No. Don't you get it, kid? I'm out of the game. I swore I'd never touch a blaster again until I could point it at the bastard who killed Chewie. <coughs> is, that, is that you, Chewie? Uh, where's my wife? Uh, where's my family? Where is my friendship? It's been stolen, sir, uh, by Han Solo. I will feast on his great bed! The Force, it's awakening! Wow. Whoa, oh, my God. God. Jesus. I know. I'm so I excited. Know. I actually didn't. I mean, even though JJ sent it to me, I didn't even watch it until just now because I was saving it for my live reaction, which is wow. 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 We can all... I think the one thing we can safely say is the Force has awakened. I think the Force is up and about. <laughs> the Force. That is coffee. The Force is it's fresh a as a daisy. It's got a spring in a step. The Force got out the wrong side of... No, the right side of bed. <laughs> but the Sith got out the wrong side of bed. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends. So, time for me to review Mockingjay Part 1. Okay. Okay, so to briefly synopsisize 
Um, I think that's a word that's been coined for this podcast. I think we've used it every week. Yeah, uh, maybe I should preface this by saying I'm going to have to spoil the previous two installments yeah. by necessity. Yeah, and so watch out if you haven't seen Catching Fire and you really want to know what happens. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the first Hunger Games, then it really will be baffling <laughs> to the reviews. So. Yeah. So um, following the events of Catching Fire, Katniss is now in District 13, which yeah. was previously thought to be destroyed, but they've actually moved underground into a super secured nuclear bunker. Mm-hmm. And uh, there she meets uh, the president of District 13, uh, President Coyne, played by newcomer Julianne Moore. Not newcomer to acting, but newcomer to the franchise. Established actress. She, she, shows, she shows promise. She shows promise. I think she's a real up-and-comer. Yeah. She could win the BAFTA Rising Star. <laughs> and um, her and Plutarch Heavensby, uh, played by the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Possibly the most ridiculous name in a series not short <laughs> on ludicrous names. Yeah, they want her to be the face of the rebellion. Yeah. They want her to be the Mockingjay. And the film basically depicts... Uh, sort of propaganda war where they're like shooting promos of Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss and meanwhile the Capitol are using Peter who was left behind in the games Peter Peter with like nine E's yeah <laughs> um, to be the sort of poster boy of them saying everyone go back to work and stop rebelling yeah and uh, it's received quite a lukewarm critical reception which I both uh, can understand but don't really agree with yeah a lot of the criticisms that have been leveled at it have been uh, basically that it's part one which seems kind of stupid to criticise it because if there's like flaws in the movie and there are it's like there's obviously a lot of build up to the finale which is yeah. next year and also it obviously climaxes on a sort of cliffhanger, on a cliffhanger. Yeah. but so did the second movie in a way yeah yeah part of a the series at the end, yeah. and it seems foolish to sort of you know it's like criticising the two towers. I mean, like, well, there was no beginning and no ending. Well, it's kind it's... of like, I think maybe part of the criticism is that, like, the implicit criticism is that they shouldn't have split it into two movies, you know? Yeah. That, like, it's the it's the done thing now that all of your um, young adult uh, fantasy material has to be, have its last chapter, like, split up. So I guess maybe some people are just like, come on, just give us a whole thing. You know, yeah. Make one really exciting film, you know? Stop teasing us with these, like, multiple parts. Yeah. So. I think that's legitimate to an extent, but even if it was done for completely cynical monetary reasons, I think this film, like, stands on its own feet. Right. I think it works, which may not be the most popular opinion, but it's the right one. <laughs> and I think yeah. I just... Um, I'm just a big fan of the franchise... It like and what it sort of represents. Yeah, yeah. It kind of chimes with my sort of political beliefs, and also I just like the idea of a female-led blockbuster where it's not Twilight, and you know, it's a strong female character. Yeah, yeah. And even if it's, the themes are tackled in somewhat unsubtle ways, it's just kind of cool that that's yeah. the kind of materials the film's building from. I think it's great that this this series is what sort of followed um, Twilight as the. Uh teen phenomenon in like sweeping the United yeah States yeah definitely whatever. and this one's got so much more bite to it i don't want to make some kind of like vampire <laughs> there, but, like twilight appealed to sort of the worst aspects of like teen sensibilities of being like self-absorbed and yeah you know mopey and like boring yeah well it's one of my points is um how so much young adult fiction is like wish fulfillment of uh teenagers feeling like alone or different yeah and like harry potter is the prime example it's like i feel all different it's like you are you're a wizard and um, the Hunger Games, no matter, I was in this rich fantasy setting, like rings a lot more true because it's about this girl whose like life is governed by forces beyond her control, mm. and people have all these expectations on her. Yeah. Greatness is thrust upon her. Greatness is thrust upon her. 
but also at the same time she's not at all passive mm. um yeah they strike a good balance with her her not being like a this sort of like mopey like whining person yeah. you know, but also not being like unrealistically badass completely and uh another thing like why i'm sort of uh in favor of the two-part split i haven't read the book so maybe i'm um, the the proof will be in the second film really but um it's a film about revolution and the kind of messy tentative steps when like it first gathers momentum yeah because i think it would be one movie it wouldn't be so much a, a movie about revolution but a like a war movie it'd right. quickly just be the sort of shit hitting the fan and them storming the capital or whatever but the more interesting part of that process is the sort of beginning steps and they're trying to like win the propaganda war and gather momentum because there must be like a point in any revolution where there's like a tipping point you know, yeah you have to like join or not um so that's like that's interesting yeah yeah definitely. and i think that like justifies a whole movie but yeah the main reason it works is that um jennifer lawrence is just really great in it she's great she's like just a brilliant actress and uh the movie is aware of this, so they focus a lot on her face. But she can, like, hold the screen completely. Mm. And also, there's just, like, a very rich ensemble of characters. And they're all played by, like, amazing actors. So it's just kind of cool to watch the scene where Woody Harrelson and Philip Zimmer Hoffman and Julianne Moore are just talking. It's just like, this is great. I, like, paid to watch them do anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, poor P. Philip Zimmer Hoffman is, like, a bit heartbreaking. I know, I know. It's he, I really liked him in Catching Fire. It's dedicated to him at the oh, end really, of the movie. Oh, really, is it? That's yeah. Nice. And, like, another, like, it continues the strength from the previous two movies of um, actually being quite, like, horrific. Yeah, yeah. There's some really nasty moments in Catching Fire. Yeah, there's some really... And, like, uh, I think that's what makes the movie good. And there's, like, real consequences to stuff. Yeah. And uh, the movie continues that. I was trying to, like, sum up... I was trying to, like, think how to explain the movie. And um, if you've seen Catching Fire, like, the most exciting trailer moments are from the second half or in the actual games. Mm-hmm. But I'd make the argument that the more interesting half is like the first hour, the sort of back and forth between the capital, they're on the promotional tour. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And this movie is like more that. But it's right, just, yeah. With like a but it's got a very exciting climax. But I think that's rich enough to be its own film. Yeah. So I was a big fan. Like I didn't really get the lukewarm critical cool. response. I was surprised by how much I mean not that I didn't like it before, but I really enjoyed Catching Fire. I was like, mm, it's a good start. So I'm not trying to check it out. Do it. All right. I applaud that decision. <laughs> oh shit. Here we go. Mocking Jay. Part one. With me, Demo, mocking the Jays. Here I go. Jay Z. I've got 99 problems with you. 95 of them are your music. Four of them are your stupid face. Jay Leno. I want you to go back to The Late Show, but The Late Late Show. The latest show possible. A show so late, we're all dead by the time you're on it. You talentless, huge-jawed fool. J.J. Abrams. Uh, you know you're supposed to point the lights at the actors, not the cameras? Yeah, yeah, maybe welcome out, you one-trick pony hack. J.K. Rowling. The end of Deathly Hallows, I'm still pissed off. The epilogue, why did Ron end up with Hermione? Ugh. Jay Baruchel, you know you're in that movie, How to Train Your Dragon? Well, why don't you train yourself to act a bit better? This is Jay from Serial. You did it. You killed Hayley. And I'm going to find you. And I'm going to prosecute. Mocking the Jays. Mocking Jay. I'm out.
we saw a film together this weekend at a um some sort of bloggers like afternoon out type of thing yeah bloggers the bloggers <laughs> picnic where they showed us horrible bosses too so this is an exciting film chat opportunity where we get to review a movie before it's actually in cinemas yeah and uh, they were really kind of teasing us with what film it's going to be. They were like, do you know what the film's going to be? Like, have anyone guessed? Whatever. So it was like, oh, wow, it's going to be really exciting. You know, what film are we going to get to tell people about? And then they announced it, and it was Horrible Bosses 2, and I was kind of a little bit deflated. Yeah, it wasn't the most exciting film to put. I was like, oh, finally! You know, I can't, I've been waiting for Horrible Bosses 2 since before the first film even came out, you know? Yeah, that's what um, I yeah, and I haven't seen it. Neither of us have seen Horrible Bosses, right? I read the Wikipedia synopsis. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, it's I'm not, familiar with it. It's not heavily concept, reliant on you having seen the first film. No, I'd it isn't, say. really. It isn't. So the, the premise of Horrible Bosses in the first one is that there's these like three regular Joes played by Jason Sudeikis, Charlie Day, Charlie Day and Jason Bateman, and uh, they all have horrible bosses, and they team up, and they all decide to like kill each other's bosses or something like that. A couple of them are still alive, so I guess it didn't, <laughs> didn't work out in the first movie. And then in the second movie, they are pitching their business idea to a big business magnate played by Christoph Waltz, the Oscar-winning Christoph Waltz, <laughs> um, who agrees to make their product and then totally screws them over and then they're out to get revenge. It also stars Jamie Foxx, Oscar-winning Jamie Foxx. Oscar-winning Jamie Foxx. In many ways, do you see this as the spiritual successor to Django Unchained? <laughs> I think so. I think he's kind of a modern-day Django. Yeah, like, I mean, we've we had a similar reaction to this where like, it's been like... Ugh. I don't know, during the movie, like, <laughs> I was doing a lot of weary sighs. Every time something happened, I was just like, really? Really? Yeah. You know? So before we get into the nitty-gritty of Horrible Bosses 2, let's play a clip. What's going on in the clip, Danny? Um, the three idiots, played by the Jasonses and Charlie, are sitting in a car waiting for Charlie to come back with a list of stuff they need to... To do a crime. To do a crime. How'd you do? Thank you, great. I actually got a couple extra supplies because I think we got to be more careful this time around. You know Absolutely. What I, mean? no, I got a magazine call. to cut up the ransom note. So smart. Can't be writing it by hand. The Dora Explorer walkie-talkies. Awesome. Is that well, awesome? it's not a spy store. It's a convenience store. It's the only house Did you get scissors? Yeah. I got some scissors, I don't yeah. see any latex gloves in here. They're, like, super expensive. I didn't want it. How much? Another nine bucks a pair. That's ridiculous. Right? Oh it's too much. It's the only know, thing you went in there to buy. Go get it. Hey, no, we can do it. We can use my golf gloves I got uh, in my bag. He's got gloves in his golf bag. Okay, all right? Don't do poke holes in okay. everything, because I'm trying to help out. Guys, the team's back together. <laughs> I call Lookout, and I will let you know if I see Swiper. That's a big part of the tone of the film, you know, like, the more sort of squabbling. <laughs> it's like Charlie, Charlie Day's, like, screechy voice. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a shame really because Jason Bateman is obviously very funny in Arrested Development. Yeah, they were all like gifted. Say, say, like, yeah, Jason Sudeikis is, was great on SNL, and Charlie Day is good and is uh, always sunny in Philadelphia. And obviously that's the reason they've been hired. And they've obviously got this quite ropey script and been encouraged to improvise. Yeah. But their combined comic talents can't really rescue the movie. Yeah, yeah. And it just makes it a bit awkward because every scene runs a bit longer than it should. It's a bit and... like after something like Anchorman, which has um, had a lot of great improv-based moments. The, the people writing these movies like feel like they can be even lazier, <laughs> and they're just like, "Well, the guy, you know, the comedians will just make up funny stuff in this scene, so you know, I don't need to bother." I think um, obviously the first film was so premise-driven that it didn't really lend itself to a sequel. Yeah, and so they've had to like really contrive their way into this plot yeah, but yeah. also I imagine for monetary reasons they have to include Kevin Spacey and Jennifer Aniston from the previous films yeah Kevin Spacey is in like in it for about five minutes <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah, and the outtakes is just literally him reading the scripts and like fluffing his lines. Yeah, they call this like annoying outtake. I found that so annoying. Like, at the end of the movie, over the credits, they show some like funny outtakes. <laughs> it's one of the comedians of uh, they're not getting the lines right. <laughs> Yeah, and then when you see Kevin Spacey doing his bit, you can see that he's, like, sitting there with the script in front of him because he probably turned up and they just, like, sat him down. He put on, like, a prison, <laughs> like, something over his normal clothes and then he just, you know, he did it for five minutes then went and got to lunch or something. It's just... I don't know. It's, like, that feeling of the first movie was successful, so we better do a sequel, and everyone is just um, basically turning up and doing the least possible effort they can do in order for the film to, you know, be completed. And, yeah, the other thing that uh, generated some more sighing from me is this is a constant lazy sexism in the film. Like, there's not very many female characters in this movie, and almost all of the female characters in the film are, like, hotty props for, like, sexist jokes. Yeah. Like, that happens, like, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a bit where Jason Sudeikis is interviewing people for a job at his factory... And it's funny because he hires the unqualified hotties because he loves hotties. And then there's another bit where Jason Sudeikis is sitting on a bench and these two, like, hot joggers jog past him and he's distracted and he does something wrong because the hotties distracted him. And then there's another scene (laughs) where Chris Pine, who we haven't mentioned, but he's in the film as, like, a hotshot young businessman. Um, He's talking about how great it is going into business with him, which he illustrates by describing a number of um, exciting perks you get with the job including getting to speak to hotties and then he like presses a button on his desk and he asks you know sandra to come in or something like that and then not only is she incredibly sexy but she's also got an english accent cool yeah let let me ask you something danny yes have you ever in your life like been sitting in a room and then the door opens and like a beautiful woman comes in and you just like your reaction is like a, a physical kind of Ugh. All the time. Yeah? Does that ever happen to you? Do you notice me making that noise when you came around just then? Oh, well, obviously, when I come in the room, you'll have that reaction. Oh, you mean, uh, I mean hot women? Hot women. Oh, right. Not you. Not me, no. Um, no. No. I don't know. That's but just, you, definitely. It's just to like... To clarify over you. It's just a sort of... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, this movie is, uh, like, marking itself as, like, a dumb fun movie yeah and it kind of feels that was both its mandate and its excuse yeah exactly, so it's like yeah. oh it's just a dumb like if you leveled on any criticism it's like it's just a dumb movie you know yeah, just exactly, like have some exactly, laughs exactly yeah but like you know but that's that isn't actually a very good yeah excuse. like we were discussing 22 jump street as like yeah, a, a recent compa- mainstream a, american comedy sequel sequel in, uh, yeah. which makes a point of its contrived nature yeah and it's like quite inventive and it's hilarious and yeah, inventive like really and, funny and, and isn't like you know, it doesn't need to be stuffed with like sexist gags in order to be funny or to have broad appeal. You know? Yeah. So, um, so horrible bosses five stars. Five stars for horrible bosses too. I, but, I can't but, recommend it highly enough. But it's out of seven thousand stars. <laughs> Just to clarify. Yeah. So avoid it. Okay, that's all for this week's film chat. Remember, you can now subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Podcast Film Chat. Though, of course, our social network of choice continues to be Bebo. Next week, we'll be catching up with Kevin Spacey and asking him what it's really like trying to catch a cab in Los Angeles. And to play us out, we have something very exciting. Yes. Um, News broke last week that Idris Elba is playing an album based on his character Lufa from the hit BBC One drama Lufa. And we have an exclusive track. Another one. We just got the exclusivity this week. Oh, yeah. 
of uh, one of the tracks from that album uh, entitled Murder Loves John. That's right. So Sam, you just want to press the play button there. I'll just press play, shall I? Yeah. Okay. okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you next week. Somebody's dead. There's blood everywhere. Her head's in the garden. Her body's up the stairs. Rufus on the scene. He doesn't look happy. It's only 6.15. He hasn't had his coffee. Who could have done this? It might be the plumber. He talks to the plumber. It's definitely the plumber. How can we catch him without any facts? When he kills again, we'll catch him in the act. He does kill again. They don't quite catch him. Third time's a charm. They send a plumber packing. Rufus saves a day. He's still not happy. He's got a lot of problems. Crime is depressing. Luther. Luther! John Luther. Luther! Luther! I don't know what you mean, Ian. Help me out. I'm lost. I'm just lost. John Luther. Mr. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.